Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Faith takes on a new lens in parenting because we don't have this formula. So we do have to trust that God is bigger than our mistakes, that we'll never, we're not powerful enough to harm our kids or make a choice of the wrong school that our God isn't capable of redeeming. Mm. And so we have to kind of get off the throne of thinking we are God or making our kids idols and shaping and molding them so that we look really good and they're our trophy children. Parenting, it's one of the most challenging Yet one of the most rewarding jobs out there. Today we're joined by Heather McFadden. She is the mother of four boys. She's also the host of a podcast, Don't Mom Alone, as well as the author of a book by that same title. Now she says, momming alone is not the way to do things. It's important to have a community and it's important to have God to be in connections. She shares her own story, her hard mom moments, and she shows how moms can be empowered by God. We're joined today by Heather McFadden. She is the host of the podcast, Don't Mom Alone. She's also the author of a new book with that same title, Don't Mom Alone. Those are very important words in any parent's life, and especially as a mother. Tell us the inspiration behind this. You know, I've been hosting a podcast for eight years, and it started off as God-centered mom. And one of my listeners started taking the content and meeting with her friends and discussing the podcast. And so we use this hashtag, Don't Mom Alone, because I loved the concept of not just individual moms listening, but getting together and having an excuse to gather because I personally found such a life-giving aspect of my motherhood is when I stopped trying to do it isolated, but connected with mentors and friends. And so I wanted to help other moms do the same. And then we rebranded to that title in 2018. You're a mother. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I have four boys currently ages nine to 16. And so we're straddling some stages of uh, elementary and high school, middle school, which is a bit of a wild ride. And in a situation like that, you are definitely going to need a community. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially when you get into the teen years, You don't find as much support online or on social media because it's your child's story. And so I think that's even more important that you've secured some relationships, some safe people that you can process that stage with since you've never done this before. (laughs) You have to be kind (laughs) to yourself. You've never parented a teen before. Do you feel like maybe we've lost community as parents over the last, I don't know, probably couple decades or so and becoming more and more isolated where before people parented in community a lot more? Yeah, I think, I mean, we know this from the, it takes a village concept and people used to live in actual villages with the generations helping care for kids and just alongside each other. And parents really both worked agricultural societies, everyone's working to keep the community fed. Um, And then we moved into the fifties and you still, you maybe were a one car family. And so you connected with neighbors a lot. Oftentimes the women stayed home, but they would do their housework alongside each other a little bit. I think as we've moved into our current generation, there's just so many different, different storylines happening. And it takes an intention to invite people in to yours and make time. I think what we just went through with the pandemic made us realize it's valuable. Having those people that we can connect with regularly is really life-giving essential 
to our health, our mental health, and our kids' well-being. So important. I know my kids now are five and seven. I had to think about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of the best things when they were growing up were those groups. Although I must say, when you first start going to like these parent groups and these mom's <laughs> groups, that is scary. It's that terrifying. Is terrifying. But once yeah. you're in that community that you get from there, that that friendship, the relationships you build, it's it's totally worth it. But how do you get over that first step there? I know for me, that was very challenging. How do you, you know, from, yeah, for me years? personally, I'm sure it's different for everyone. And, there, and we know there are so many different personalities, but for me, it was a lot of doing work on why that was scary. What was I afraid of? And I think I had to dig into the fact that I was afraid of rejection. I was really terrified that I was going to mess up this mom thing. There was no, you know, handbook that was clear on which way to go. In fact, I found even with sleep training, there were three very different styles on how to do it. And so there's a lot of confusion, a lot of insecurity, and you're looking for your posse that kind of goes along with your way. And if you get in a group and nobody really knows what they're doing, but they're trying to cling really strongly to their way, they can sometimes get mean. But I think some of that anger or um, negativity is coming from a real place of fear and insecurity. You mentioned uh, social media before, and I was just wondering, like, do you think social media almost isolates us more as parents? Because what you see on social media is everybody else looks like a picture perfect parent. And I'm sitting in here in a disaster of a living room right now. Right. And my kids went out the door crying this morning and I'm like yep. losing my mind and I am yeah. the world's worst parent and everybody else has it together. Right. Yeah. It's this highlight reel that we compare our current reality with. I think another thing it does is we see someone else's values or where they're gifted, or I like to say their mom brand, and we compare our Mm. mom brand to it. And we think we have to be all those things. And those become these shoulds. And I believe, you know, you should always know your why, what's your family's values, what's your intention? Why are we going to the pumpkin patch? Does it matter to us? Or am I doing it because I need a good picture? And then I think should is never a sustainable why it is not going to keep you going year after year it's not going to keep you an 18 month old soccer on a at an 8 a.m game where you're pulling on the socks if you don't feel like that's your family's thing or that's your brand uh know your why and as a professor once told me when i was going to school to become a youth pastor never should yourself Exactly. Don't shit on me either. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I think really my goal is to help moms do the inner work to figure out what's keeping them from relationship, what's keeping them from being vulnerable with others. And then also really lean into if, if they have a partner to how do they partner well together? Because you've been given someone in your home that you could do this parenting journey with. And then also who are your people around you that you could invite in? And what would that look like for you and what God's called you to do? That vulnerability, that's a huge step to, yeah. to overcome and to get to. How can we find that strength to become vulnerable and to just share? I know in my household, we are that go with the flow and whatever works to keep us all alive and awake <laughs> and on this planet and on this earth. Is, yeah. is our is our go-to and our flow how do we get to that place where we can just share that with everybody like hey you know what uh you're gonna sleep in my bed so that we can all sleep or hey you're gonna have chicken nuggets because mama doesn't know how to cook <laughs> yeah well and you sharing that with someone else that vulnerable is what creates authentic community because I know as a parent 
I would so much rather you identify with what I'm working through than give me some sort of insight based on a book you read or research you've done on how terrible (laughs) your choice is. And I think when you just said vulnerability, that takes some strength and some bravery. Brene Brown's kind of led the way on that. But I think we can look to Jesus for the ultimate example of strength and vulnerability. I mean, he left heaven to take a baby's body, which is the most vulnerable position to be in, especially in a time where they were killing babies actively. And then he also took a cross and he was hanging there and completely open because he wanted to spend eternity with us. And I think if he's willing to go first, we know that nothing can harm us in our soul places because vulnerable means the potential for harm, for wounding, right? And yes, we can have wounds from other people, but we also have the healer who we can take those to and we don't have to stay wounded. And that's the gift of, I believe, being a believer in Christ is that we have nothing to lose. Ultimately, we have eternal life secured and we have a healer who can heal even earthly wounds. What can man do to me? So it's this even in Christian circles, why aren't we more vulnerable? (laughs) There isn't a formula. If we were all perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. And we've been given a healer who can heal us from anything that man does to us. That's really helpful for me because I often find myself thinking like, I wish Jesus was a parent. And I had like glimpses of scripture of (laughs) what did Jesus do when his son talked back or what? But yeah, you just opened up. That's so great. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's faith takes on a new lens in parenting because we don't have this formula. So we do have to trust that God is bigger than our mistakes, that we'll never, we're not powerful enough to harm our kids or make a choice of the wrong school that our God isn't capable of redeeming. Hmm. And so we have to kind of get off the throne of thinking we are God or making our kids idols and shaping and molding them so that we look really good. And there are trophy children. So not only do we need this community, we need God. Uh, in that community with us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a first third of the book is really my journey of recognizing the pride that I had in mothering, not this, oh, I'm so proud of you. But like, I really thought I was in charge of the whole thing and in control. We need to give it up. We need to realize (laughs) that there are others out there that can help guide us along this um, very challenging and interesting yet beautiful journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it doesn't end even with God and others. The whole, another gift of parenting is your children. And so often we make parenting about us that we can forget that a really amazing relationship we have to love someone in a way, even if you were a missionary, you, no one would ever know you to the depth that your children will know you. They'll know where you fail. They'll know where you lean on God. They'll know discipleship is the, the best example is right there in your home. And so having that opportunity, uh, maybe the legacy of your life and you'll never know. And so I, I definitely want parents to know that it's an important role, but they're not essential to how their kids turn out. Uh, really important too. Uh, I was just thinking like, good reminder, Jesus's own parents lost him. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> and he God's first okay. two kids, they, <laughs> you know, totally disobeyed him. And then their two right? kids, one killed the other. So we're off <laughs> the us, hook. <laughs> tell us about the book. You're like almost, I think 350 episodes into this podcast. <laughs> Why did you decide to shift gears and write a book now? 
you know, actually I have a podcast because I didn't write a book 10 years ago when I was working with an agent. <laughs> so it's ironic that I'm back to the book. It's God's perfect timing. I um, was pushing back, honestly, against the idea for a long time. And then um, a concept God's been working on in my heart about true humility was occupying your God-given space. And part of that for me was creating a resource I could hand a mom that would actually help her. And it was like multiplying. If I could have coffee with every mom and teller, you know, the icebergs to avoid ahead as if Titanic stories, you know, don't do this. (laughs) If I could help you and multiplying the message with the book, it seemed like the right idea versus saying, Hey, here's 300 episodes. Go listen to these Here's 300 hours of your life. Um, This seemed like a more tangible, accessible option for her. Who are you hoping will pick up this book? You know, there was this TikTok video going viral the other day and a mom just completely overwhelmed and breaking down and saying she had no one, no community. Her laundry was a disaster. Her husband traveled a lot. And I just wanted to give her the biggest hug. And I so hoped that she would find these words and find um, people that she could walk alongside in the mess who would encourage her of her important role, but also just give her actual just wisdom and guidance and perspective on what matters and what doesn't. And so she's the mom yeah. I, I was picturing while I was writing. And then, you know, she was all over the TikTok. Yeah. I saw that video actually. Really? And, um, my wife and I both, we felt for her because she was so isolated. It seemed like, right. And at first it started and I thought there was going to be like a punchline so or a joke. And then right away you kind of realize like, yeah, no, she is all alone and desperate for some community and help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and she's not the only one. So let's pretend we're not that mom. We have been a mom. We see that mom that's struggling. We're on the outside. They're a little afraid. How can we open up to that mom there that is isolated, that, that needs that community? How can we help that mother? Where can we start? I think most of us want to be seen. And I even, another video that was going around was, a. Uh, Starbucks barista through the drive-through line, just saying a word of encouragement. I mean, I think most of us know a mom or have a mom. And so we can speak a word of the value of that role. Uh, Society doesn't often glamorize or you're not going to get applause from a stage or a blue check on Instagram. You're just Mm -hmm. doing the daily things. And so to be seen to be told not what's wrong with your kid, you know, if they're tantruming, <laughs> but just to say, Hey, I've been there. I, I was that kid and I have a job now, you know, I, I was the tantrumer. Yeah. I was the spicy one. I just think a, a word of encouragement and, and hope and that they just are seen goes a long way. That reminds me of a situation. I know um, I had my child at once. He had a major tantrum, a man in the store yelled at me um, and told me to just, you know, make my, he had, some horrible words that he said, you know, (laughs) just told me to quiet my child, which I was on my own. And I, it was, you know, it was hectic, you know what it is like being a parent. And I remember walking out of there crying. I was at the store a couple of weeks back and there was this mom and she was struggling and she kept looking at me and thinking, Oh, this mom's got to be judging me. I finally looked over at her and I said, you know what? You're awesome. And she looked at me and she was completely shocked. I said, I've been in your shoes and I've had received nothing but horrible comments. And I know what you're dealing with. And she looked at me and she says, you don't know. You don't know how much those 
three words or two words, I guess it is, uh, meant to me. And the beauty that came out of that little situation that we had there was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, she went matters. from this stressed out mom shoulders up to just, <sighs> thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we help them parent better, which helps us as a society overall, right? If we're just saying, you know what, you don't have to have your child be perfectly behaved. Um, I think that goes a long way for all of us, even who wouldn't love to be told you're awesome right? By a stranger. <laughs> instead of being yelled at to quiet your yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of intensity these days. Awesome. Yeah. Especially when things way. are falling apart, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone is just one step away from losing it. Yes. You never understand the situation that that person may be in. Um, for those who've had the opportunity to pick up your book, what has the response been like? You know, it's been really encouraging. You put, you know, you work on the words by yourself for so long and to have moms reading them and sharing on social media or just saying who they're going to buy it for. A mom was working as a pediatric nurse and one of her patients came in and was beating herself up. That it was her fault that her child was in there, a single mom. And she just said, Hey, you know, there's this podcast you could listen to. And in fact, her new book came out today and that mom right then ordered a copy. Um, and this pediatric nurse told me, she said, I hope she encounters Christ after reading these words. I don't, I don't know what her storyline is, but I'm just excited to see where God takes it. What, what ripple effects I'll never know. Um, but so far moms have been really encouraged. Over, um, 350 episodes in writing this book or almost 350 episodes of any stories or favorite moments that stick out for you in this journey? You know, it's typically someone I've interviewed who is um, passed away. It, hmm. it sometimes feels like holy ground. One gal in particular, she was a women's minister at our church and she uh, passed away a couple of weeks later. And it was like she had one foot in heaven and one on earth still. And the faith that came through that microphone that just... I don't know, the strength and the security and certainty. I got in my car afterwards and I just bawled. It was, it was an amazing moment. So yeah, there's a lot of women that I feel like it's a gift to be able to record their stories, their testimonies that get to go on because podcasts are evergreen and yeah, right. You know, it just keeps going and going into the air. And I don't know, I'm a big fan. I'm a speech language pathologist by trade. And so oh, just cool. sound, yeah, sound waves and all of that. It's just so awesome to consider all that's going on around us in the air that we can't see. Yeah, I love that. Uh, my last question for you, how do I, as a husband, help my wife not mom alone? What's mm. your best advice for me? <laughs> Man, um, I'll tell you what help. not to do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> she is going to be harder on herself than you want her to be. But I think, you know, the little moments where you do see her and just say, I see you, I see your intention, I see your heart, you want to be a, a, mom, a good mom so badly, that matters. But honestly, knowing what her love language is, you know, the classic five love language books and kind of leaning into what makes her feel loved and connected. I'm a really big fan of marriages going first before kids. And so- yeah. Putting that time and energy, I think our biggest breakthrough in our parenting and our marriage is when we started taking walks around the neighborhood every Saturday morning, that side-by-side -side time where we could just process each of our 
work situations and then come together with, you know, what's the direction of our family? I could share some of my ideas and intentions. He could help strategize. I mean, that has been truly a game changer in our marriage. So important for people who want to learn about your podcast, want to learn about your book, or just want to learn about you. How can they go about doing that? Everything is don't mom alone. So don't mom alone.com at don't mom alone on Instagram and Facebook. You'll find me there. And for that mom listening and thinking, mm, I just don't know what to do. Even after hearing all of this, what would you say to her? You know, I would start small with who are my people? Who am I interacting with regularly in person, flesh on flesh? And I know it's all complicated with all the different regulations across the board, but we can get really creative on some of that. Um, And then ask yourself if you don't have a long list or even three or four, why, why am I not more connected with people and do the work to figure out what are you feeling around that? Is there fear? Is there um, pain? Is there something that you need to work with a professional counselor with or in a recovery group or something deeper to sort through the patterns of connections and community hurts you have? Um, Because I think it's important to push through and do that inner work um, before we do the horizontal work. And if you've done all that work and you're just like, I really don't have anyone, I think your first step is look around you. Who's someone you really like and enjoy and just ask them to meet you at a park or go for coffee one time. It doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. Sometimes we think of big grandeur concepts and ideas and it's like, just start with one interaction and see if it's a match. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or any of the other conversations that we've had on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastfield.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.